I would invite you this morning to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hosea, uh, Hosea chapter 11. While we were away, we celebrated not only our 41st wedding anniversary, and I don't know, you know, in fact, I was having a text conversation with my younger sister and uh, letting her know, hey, here we're, we're in, you know, we're in Vienna and, you know, this is our 40th, 41st wedding anniversary. I said, this wasn't even in our bucket list. And she goes, that wasn't on your bucket list? What is on your bucket list? The moon? Well, that's what our daughter Jessica said. She said, you know, you've been to Hawaii, you've been to Europe, next stop is the moon. So we're writing letters to Jeff Bezos right now to see if we can get a but while we were there celebrating our anniversary, there was another day that is very important to us. We don't make a big deal about it, but it was important. It was actually the, the day of the rehearsal of the wedding that we went to do. The wedding was on Friday, May 20th. Thursday was May 19th. And that day marked the day that I was called to be the youth pastor at Pleasant View Bible Church in Warsaw, Indiana. So that day marked 37 years in pastoral ministry. Um, and it was just one of those days to kind of reflect on. In fact, if you follow us on Facebook and other places, I posted a, a blog post. I don't blog all the time. I posted something just reflecting on the value of longevity. Because the young lady that got married was a young lady that we've shared with some of you. We actually knew her mother when her mother was a teenager. We've seen this family grow and develop. And, you know, in those 37 years of pastoral ministry, Charlene and I have had the privilege of being with people during some of their greatest highs in life and during some of the deepest lows. We have celebrated with students who've graduated from all levels of academia. Uh, just over a week ago, as I've mentioned, we had that front row seat. And we've had that front row seat over a hundred times in the 37 years of watching a young couple or even an older couple come together and, and come together as husband and wife and pledge their love and devotion to one another. And that is a, that is a high, high privilege and responsibility. We have been able to be at the hospital just sometimes minutes after a new life has entered this earth and we've been privileged to, to guide that new family. And then I, I get to stand up here at times and, and be part of, a, of a, a dedication of that child to the Lord. It's, it's a high privilege. Sometimes we've had people call us just to have us celebrate with them a, a, a new job or a new home or other kinds of successes. We've seen couples reunited after marital stress. We've seen families reunited with a runaway. We've felt their joy. We've shared it. And yet, we've been on the other side. I have stood in a hospital hallway 
on a cold winter day a few days before Christmas and wept with a dad whose young son only lived 15 minutes out of the womb. I've stood, we've stood by a young wife at a casket of her husband. I have sat there in my office and witnessed a, a man looking at his bride in the face and saying, I no longer love you. I have sat in silence as a grown man wept, having lost his job and not knowing what he would do next. I've sat there. We've sat there with missionaries coming back from a very difficult time in the service they felt God had called them to. They're burnt out. They're, they're staring at us in that blank stare into the just totally wiped out. They want to come home, but they're afraid to be called a failure. We sat one night with a teenager who thought her world had come to an end because she just found out she was with child. We've spent hours with that person who's been betrayed by abuse, and we have ached with them and wept with them and held them, and waited with them. And in all of that, God has allowed us to experience in the past 37 years of ministry, some of the most difficult have been to be with parents who have loved their child unconditionally, who have deeply given to their child, and yet that child has walked out, turned their back on their parents and siblings and home, and has chosen to go their own way. The ebb and flow of emotions is great. The pain is deep. The hope for change is real. Today, as we look at these last four chapters of Hosea, we are going to see that emotion in our God. And our God, as he reaches out to his child, his child Israel, and he says one thing repeatedly to them. Come home. You're going to see a softness in our God in these last four chapters of Hosea. You're in a sense going to see also that reality of our God as he warns Israel that what they will face as they go out into the world wanting to go out on their own, out without him, what they will face you will see the resignation of a father who knows he's done all he can do. And you will see yet again an invitation to come home. There is a shift. If you read through Hosea all the way through from chapters 1 through 14, when you hit chapter 11, there's a shift. Remember, we started with Hosea going out and being commanded by God to go out into the streets to find a, a, a woman, a prostitute, and he found Gomer, and to marry her, to rescue her. And you, we, we discovered that, you know, after a while she goes back, and he goes and gets her again. And, and we saw that, and there was that whole theme of a wayward wife. But once we get to chapter 11, it shifts. It shifts from a husband to a wife to a father to his son. What I'm going to do today 
is very, very different than how we have handled this prophecy to date. You're in Hosea 11, and I'm going to want you to follow along because I'm going to present Hosea chapters 11, 12, 13, and 14 as letters. Letters from a father to a son. So this isn't going to be a sermon with bullet points. It's going to be different. And my hope and my prayer is that as I read these letters that I've written based on what I see in the text, that you will sense God's message to his people and more importantly, God's message to us. That you will see a message that reminds us that God's greatest desire, as we read just a few minutes ago in Romans 8, his desire is relationship with us. God constantly calls us to come home. The slide behind me will have the chapter and just a summary statement. Hosea 11. Dear son, I love you. I love to hear myself call you son. I was just sitting here remembering when you were a helpless baby alone in the orphanage in Egypt. I remember calling for you and taking you home. I remember those days when you learned to walk. It was great holding you by your hands and seeing you try to get your balance and then to rejoice with you when you learned to walk. I did my best to be a loving and gentle father to you. But something happened along the way. I can remember calling to you from the porch. But the more I called, the further you ran from me, and it seems you are still running. You've always had a spirit of adventure, but chasing after wealth and women and empty pleasures will never be the answer to the deepest need of your soul. You seem so determined to go back to the emptiness of the orphanage, not to help, but to be an orphan again. I don't understand it. It's as if you want to be in that sort of bondage with no hope, and I love you so much, but... I'm willing to let you go. No, I, I can't give up on you. I won't give up on you. You need to know I have been angry with you. I have been so angry. I almost used all the wealth and power at my disposal to destroy you. I was done with you. But I'm not done with you. I love you. I long to pursue you, no longer in anger, but in love. But I will let you make that call. I want you to know the door to the house is always open. You can always come home. I can imagine you may be afraid. In my mind, I can see that deep inside you must be, you must be frightened like the morning doves we used to have in the backyard. But if you remember... When we made homes for them, they rested in those homes, safe and secure. That's my desire for you. 
Please come home and let me care for you as a father should, in love and safety and security. Love, Abba. Hosea chapter 12. Follow along as I read this letter. Dear son, I heard the rumors yesterday, and it hurt. You are telling your friends and anyone who will listen lies about our relationship, and you know they are lies. It's even beginning to have an effect on others. You, my son, have always been a fighter trying to win at all costs. Once I had to hold you down until you begged to be let go. I think I hurt you a bit, and and now you still want to run your own way. I've reminded you that you will do best by waiting and learning the truth about the power of love and justice. But my son, you are chasing the wind. You are forming relationships with people who do not have your best interest in mind. They may sound good now, but believe me, they are out to control you and use you for their own gain. Oh, I know you've gotten wealthy by using their various business schemes, but can't you understand that everything eventually comes across my desk, and I know that your wealth has been gained illegally. You will be found guilty, my son. Please don't forget that I love you. I loved you the day I saw you in that orphanage in Egypt. I know we had some difficult years, But living in that tent in the desert was for the purpose of teaching you to be both dependent on all that I could give you and at the same time to strengthen you for a world that is out to get you. I've done everything I can to warn you about what life is like when you think you can live it on your own terms and yet you stubbornly refuse to listen. I'm going to tell you as clearly as I possibly can. You are headed for nothing but misery, pain, heartache, and destruction. You are actually your own worst enemy. But maybe the only way you will learn is when all your apparent security and success ends up being nothing but the wind. When that happens, and you are cold, lonely, and empty, just remember, I will still be here, and you can always come home. Love, Abba. Hosea 13. Dear son, there was once a time when you were greatly respected for your power and integrity, but now you are pursuing a course of self-destruction. I hear from my messengers that you are worshiping idols and giving them all the credit for your success. This direction you've set for your life is as solid as the dew on the grass outside our home. It is only there for a time and then completely gone. 
The struggle with thinking that you are the most important person in your world is that you are ultimately like smoke from the chimney, there for a brief moment, but then forgotten. Never forget, you only have one father. I was the one who saw you in that rundown orphanage in Egypt when everyone had forgotten about you. I took care of you. I protected you. I fed you. If it weren't for me adopting you as my own, you would still be in that orphanage. You would still be alone. I am the only one who has ever really loved you. And I still do. Somehow it seems that now that you have seen some success in the world, now that you've earned a bit of money, now that you think you are somebody, you have forgotten who rescued you and where you came from. Your pride and what you've accomplished has caused you to forget your beginnings, and worse yet, those who've helped you along the way. And now I'm going to have to step aside and allow you to continue down the path you've chosen. But remember... I know that path. I've watched countless others pursue that path. And I know what lies ahead of you. You are headed to destruction. There is coming a time when you will feel that the whole world is against you. You will look for help from every source imaginable. And you will not find what you think you need. Everything and everyone upon whom you've depended will suddenly be gone. You can look around now at your success and feel secure. But remember, that success was built on the people that you have cheated. You have been offered an opportunity to come home. That offer is always open, but I am now aware that you will not take it. You've always been a strong-willed child. Unfortunately, you are going to find that one day, all that you've done to others will come back on you. It will hit you like a wind out of the desert and leave you parched and gagging. The people you owe will demand their payment and they will take it any way they can get it. I shudder to think of that time, but it is coming. My son, you have been warned. But remember one thing. I love you and you can always come home. Chapter 14 of Hosea is a completely different tone than these others in many ways. And is that final appeal of God through the prophet to his people. Hosea 14. My dear son, the door is open. The light is on. Please come home. I've forgiven you, and I long to receive you back at our table. This is the place of mercy and acceptance and love, and it is all yours. Come on home. I want to tell you that nothing, absolutely nothing you have done will ever stop me from loving you. I know that you've said I'm not your father, but I forgive you and want to again show you what a father's love is like. I've worked through my anger, and it's melted into a deep and longing love for you. Come on home. When you come home, you are going to be received and refreshed. It will be great. 
We will give you as much time as you need to heal. Then we will begin again helping you get acclimated to the family and established once again as my son. Oh, I know you faced many dangers, but I want you to know that you are safe here. I know that you've been through the school of hard knocks, and I long for you to be home where you can grow, flourish, and reach your fullest potential. Remember, my son, I have always cared for you. I have always been true to you. I have always loved you. And although you may not fully be aware of it, I have always kept you from certain death. So come home. I love you. Abba. Not your typical sermon. But I hope you can get the heart of God as I read these passages and begin to sense that. You see, Hosea concludes his prophecy with a reminder for all of us. It's found at the very end of of chapter 14, verse 9. Who is wise? Let them realize these things. Who is discerning? Let them understand. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious rebellious stumble in them. Those who are wise, those who fear the Lord, those who listen to the word of God, those who keep to the truth of God, find that God's ways, God's principles, God's truth is always right. Those of us who think we can manage just fine without God are going to find that we will stumble along the way. God's truth doesn't change. The message of Hosea is a message of God's love given out to a people who continually spurned that love. It's a message of warning that when we seek to run life on our terms, we will fail. Oh, it may not look that way. I have a favorite psalm. I think it's Psalm 103, I think it is. It's a psalm of Asaph. And Asaph says, I looked around and my feet almost slipped because I saw the wealthy and it looks like, I'm paraphrasing, they have no problems. It looks like everything comes their way. The reality is when we seek to live life on our own terms, for a while it will work. For a while it may seem like it's working well, but ultimately it comes to a point where it doesn't work anymore. Sometimes we find when, there's, when we fail, the people we thought were there may not be there to pick us up. The message of Hosea is a reminder No matter where you and I have been in life, no matter what you and I have done in life, no matter how great the failures, no matter how deep the sin, God forgives. Now that's not an excuse to go do whatever we want, whenever we want. I'm going to go do this because I know God will forgive me. No, Paul says in in the book of Romans, chapter 6, should we sin that grace may abound? May it never be. 
But when we sin, when we fail, when we stumble, when we fall, forgiveness is there. I think of what pastor and author Max Lucado once wrote as he was reflecting on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the ultimate display of God's grace. And he wrote this, because of the cross, my failure isn't fatal. You see, God has already paid the price by sending Jesus to die in our place on the cross. And just like he does throughout the book of Hosea, although he talks about judgment and punishment and all, he constantly is offering the hand of grace and repentance, and he offers that to us through Jesus. He offers you and me his hand of forgiveness, and he invites us to come home. But the message of Hosea isn't just for those who have strayed. The message of Hosea is for each one who has already put their faith in Jesus Christ. Because the fact is, none of us live perfect lives. The fact is, we, we still wrestle with sin. And maybe to varying degrees, and I get that, but we still wrestle with sin. Uh, we will wrestle with sin until the day we step into glory and face Jesus. But on this earth, we will struggle. You see, every one of us can look back and see ways that we've failed. Every one of us can look back and see ways that we've stumbled and fallen spiritually. Every one of us can look at times where we have just blown it. But the message of God is still the same. When you and I turn and come back to God, He welcomes us. And he says, I love you, and I forgive you. Come home. The Father is inviting you and me to let go of all that doesn't satisfy. I think that's something we have to do on a regular basis. You know, we have to think about what we're holding on to and why. While we were gone, we saw the news, and we drove by it the other day. And it was interesting as we drove by what used to be Pheasant Run. It's been closed, now it's burned out. We could still smell the, the smoke. We could still smell the burnt driving by on, on North Avenue the other day. And Charlene said, how amazing. This place that was so iconic, this place that stars would fly into DuPage Airport and go perform. It's just gone. It's just a memory. And that's really a metaphor for, for life. It's, it's just a memory. It's short. We celebrated 41 years of marriage, 4.1 decades. And I can tell you, it's like that. Our little granddaughter who was born at Delnor Hospital finished eighth grade last week. Where did the time go? I can't be getting older. Like that. 
So the reminder is, what are you putting your stock in? Because the Father says, let go of everything that doesn't satisfy and just come home to relationship with him. That's what lasts. I wonder, which of us needs to come home today? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the, the, the freedom to allow a little bit of creativity in, in presentation. You're so good that way. You give us opportunity to just be who you've created us to be. May this exercise this morning of looking at these last four chapters of Hosea as a series of letters, may, may you use them. May the message of home with you be the message that resonates with us. Because it's in that relationship with you we find security and peace and safety and forgiveness and wholeness. Thank you for keeping the door open. In Jesus' name, amen.